All right, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to just give you one verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. This is speaking of the Magi, also called the wise men, these individuals that journeyed from the east because they saw a star and they journeyed all the way first to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem and the star rested over the manger scene where Jesus had been born. And uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, this is, this is a very important verse. I want you to hear it. It says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, and when they had come into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see five things in this verse. Number one, they came into the house. Number two, they saw the child. Number three, they fell down and worshipped him. Number four, they opened their treasures. And number five, they presented gifts to him. This is the Christmas story yeah. in one verse. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father, speak to us today by the power of your word and spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you on a journey today, a Christmas journey. Santa Claus is not included in this journey. There's no elves. There's no candy canes. There's no Christmas trees. This journey actually does not look like sugar and spice and everything nice. This is, in a sense, a very arduous journey, the journey of the Magi, the journey of the wise men. God is calling us to be as the Magi today. God is calling us to be as the wise men yeah. today. What I felt in my spirit as I was preparing this message is that for the most part, we are wise men who have refused to make the journey. Wise men who have seen the star in the east, but yet have not journeyed to Bethlehem. Mm. And God is calling us to make the journey and to come to Bethlehem. And I wanna to say to you that regardless of where you are, in your faith journey, whether you believe in Jesus, or whether you do not yet believe in Jesus, whether you have received him as Lord and Savior, or whether you have not yet received him as Lord and Savior, it's still a journey of faith, and we must be willing to make the journey. This verse begins by saying, when they had come into the house. This is a summary of an incredibly long journey. When they had come into the house, not realizing that Coming into the house required them to journey across a barren desert for probably weeks, maybe even months. It required them to believe upon seeing a star that we don't even know how faith was born in their hearts. We have no, all we know is they saw a star, they came from the east. But what happened in the hearts and minds of those magi, those wise men, that gave them the faith and the motivation? the courage to saddle up their donkeys or their camels or whatever they rode upon, to gather the supplies of food and money that they would need, yeah. to take the water and to journey all the way across a barren desert in search of a child that they knew nothing about. They didn't have the prophets. They didn't have, the, yeah. they didn't have Abraham. They didn't have Moses. They didn't have Elijah. They didn't have the Psalms. They, had, they didn't have the Messianic. There was no roadmap for them. But there was something that happened at the end of the day for each and every one of us. 
Faith is a great mystery. What, what gave you the motivation and the courage even to come to this service today? Like, where did that come from? At the end of the day, that motivation of faith is a great mystery. It's simply the prodding of the Spirit of God. Meaning they would not have made the journey unless the Spirit of God had drawn them. And this is the, the mystery. Is that it seems from their experience that the journey was all theirs. They were the ones who had to saddle up their camels. They were the ones who had to get their food supply and their money and, and the, the clothing that they needed for the journey. They were the ones who had to trek through the desert to, in search of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the ones who had to make the journey in their experience. Hmm. And in our experience, we're the ones who have to pursue God. We're the ones who have to seek him before we find him. We're the ones who have to pray. We're the ones who have to fast. We're the ones who have to worship. We're the ones who have to read the Bible. We're, we're always aware of the fact that we are the ones who make the journey to God. But these wise men were completely unaware that actually Jesus was the one who made a journey towards them yeah. that was infinitely farther than their journey towards him. Mm. You see, they came from the east. He came from heaven. He actually had to take on human flesh and become a baby to make that journey. They simply had to get on camels and go for a ride. His journey was infinitely greater than their journey. And the price that he paid was infinitely greater than the price that they paid to get to him. The sacrifice that he made to come to them was infinitely greater than the sacrifice they had to make to come to him. You, so we're, we, we are so often aware of the sacrifice we make to come to God, of the journey that we have to take to go deeper in Christ, not aware that he always makes a greater sacrifice than we make and that he always travels further to come to us than we could ever travel to come to him. But the point is that coming to Jesus is an intentional journey. Yeah. You've got to make a decision. I'm coming to Jesus. You've got to make a decision. I'm going on the journey. And, and the great problem with most of us is that we're not willing to leave the east. We're not willing to make the journey. We're not willing to get on our camels and load up the food and, and make the journey. You see, these wise men, these magi, crossed a barren desert. We won't cross the house to go to our living room and turn on some worship music and get on our knees for 30 minutes. We're not willing to make the journey out of our bed and onto our knees for 10 minutes. We're not willing to make the journey to crack open a Bible and meditate on a scripture all week long. God is calling us, the Spirit of God is calling us to the journey of reaching for Jesus, of coming to Jesus. Yeah. But we don't want the journey. Hmm. Because we actually want God to do all of the work. We want the product, but we don't want the pathway. I remember when I was young and I showed an early aptitude for music, and I was drawn to the piano, and so I started playing the piano. It's cold in here. That's why I keep doing this, because my hands are freezing. Um, I started playing the piano early on and playing by ear. And any time I heard anyone play, I would go to them and say, can you teach me that chord? I wanted to learn chords. That was the thing. And so I learned early on that playing chords was much easier than playing scales. I could learn whole songs if I could learn the chords. My uncle was our church organist, and he was an amazing piano player and organist. And so he started coming over my house when I was probably seven or eight years old, and he was trying to kind of give me piano lessons by force, but I wouldn't listen to him. He's like, Benjamin, you've got to practice these scales. But I was like, forget the scales. Teach me some chords. He's like, 
yes, you'll learn some chords, but first you've got to practice these scales. I refused to practice the scales. And so after a few weeks, he just gave up trying to teach me. Yeah. I kept growing and I kept learning. And I'm thinking, man, see, I don't need those scales. I'm doing really good. And then when I got to high school, I was playing even better. And my older cousin, who's really more like an uncle to me, he saw me and heard me play. And so he said, Benjamin, you've really got a gift, but I, you need to get some lessons. And so he took me to a guy who was a professional jazz organ, uh, a jazz gospel piano player and organist. And so he was like, you got to play these scales. And I'm like, forget the scales. Teach me some more chords. He's like, all right, I'll teach you chords, but you got to learn these scales. And um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't practice the scales. And so he gave up on me. And so, but I kept growing. and I kept getting better and better and better. But every time I would see people playing, I would always be envious of their ability to do runs. And, and it was just, there was a fluidity to their playing. And I would always ask, how can you do that? They'd say, oh, scales. You got to practice your scales. You got to practice your blues scales. You got to practice your, your pentatonic scales, your minor pentatonic scales, your mixolydian scales, and your major scales and minor scales. You just got to practice all of your scales. And I was like, forget the scales. Teach me some more chords. And I kept resisting this call to make this journey. Because playing scales is boring. Playing scales doesn't sound awesome. Practicing scales is uncomfortable. And now I'm 44 years old and I'm realizing that I've hit the wall with my ability to play that instrument. And I finally realized that I can't go any further without learning my scales. So guess what I'm doing now? After 40 years of playing the piano, I'm finally learning my scales. This is like the journey of faith. Yeah. Prayer is like learning scales. Reading your Bible is like learning scales. Meditating on scripture is like learning scales. Yeah. There's no fire falling from heaven and angelic visitations. There's yeah. no tongues of fire. And yeah. we want the experience. We want the product. We want the fire. We want, but we don't realize that actually before we come into the house, yes, when you come into the house, the fire is there. When you come into the house, the visitation is there. But, but in order to get into the house, you've got to be willing to make the journey through the desert. You got to be willing to practice those scales. We want the product, but we don't want the pathway, not realizing that you don't get the product without the pathway. But these wise men, we call them wise men because they were wise enough to make the journey. And the question is, why aren't we wise enough to make the journey? Why are we so prayerless? Why do we not seek? Why do we not ask? Why do we not find? And a lot of us, we would conclude that the reason is we're just undisciplined, lazy Christians. Yeah. And there's some truth to that, but that's not even the fundamental or foundational truth to it. Huh. You're not a lazy person. You're fearful. Wow. A prayerless Christian is a fearful Christian. Hmm. And what I find by and large is that most of us are filled with fear. We are filled. We are the most fearful believers the most fearful generation in, his, in history. And what do I mean by fear? I mean, you know, you might be hearing me saying, thinking to yourself, I don't feel afraid. We're so fearful we don't even feel wow. how fearful we are. We only feel the effect of the fear that we have. Yeah. And the effect of our fear is prayerlessness because what we are afraid of is that we're going to pray and God's not going to hear. We're going to pray and God's not going to answer. We're going to seek and we're not going to find. We're going to knock and the door will not open. We're going to ask and we will not receive. 
that we're going to pursue God and God's not going to answer us, that we're going to seek him and he's not going to be found of us. We're afraid that the promises are not true, that the prophecies will not come to pass. We're afraid that our journey is going to be in vain. We're afraid that if we leave the east on camels, we're going to travel to the other side of the world and there's not going to be any child in the manger. We're so afraid. And we've actually spiritualized our fear because our fear leads us to a place where there's no expectation that God's going to do anything in our lives. We're not standing on any promises. We're not believing God for any next level. And we spiritualize it and thinking we're mature now. We're so mature that we expect nothing of God because we think what we've actually done is let God off the hook as if there's a certain nobility about it. And we've also protected ourselves from disappointment because that's really the goal is to protect myself from disappointment so I don't have to seek and not find. I don't have to ask and not receive because that is so disappointing to get on that camel and travel across the world and get there and find an empty manger. We're afraid. We're so afraid that we become the wise men who have not made the journey, who have remained in the east. But it says, when they had come into the house, that's a powerful statement because it's the fruit of a journey. But when they had come into the house, when they had, I'm telling you, if you would make the journey, you will come into the house. I'm telling you that the prophecies are true. The promises of true. If you make the journey, you will come into the house. He said, seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you know Jesus or not, whether you're walking with him or not. The promise is for you. If you seek him, you will find him. It's an intentional journey. We've been talking about finishing strong this month. And the first Sunday of this month, my wife preached a powerful sermon on Thanksgiving and how the first ingredient in the recipe of finishing 2020 strong is Thanksgiving. Giving God thanks every single day. And last Sunday, I preached a message on love. The second ingredient is getting your love right, detaching yourself from the love of the world, connecting yourself to a deeper love for Jesus. But I'm telling you today that in order to finish strong, you've got to recognize what the journey is. You see, we're not just trying to finish 2020 strong. We're not, we're not just trying to survive 2020. We've gotten into the survival mentality where all we're trying to do is survive and not die. If I can just get to the end of 2020 and be alive on January 1st, I'm good. <laughs> and God wants to take you out of survival mode. The journey is not simply completing the year, but God has destined you in 2020 to come to a deeper place of fellowship, to come into the house in a deeper way and to come to the feet of Jesus. Yes. That is the journey is towards a deeper revelation of Jesus, not just the end of the year. Yeah. Finishing strong is finishing the journey towards a deeper place in Christ. And when they had come into the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary. And when they came, they saw. This is the promise of God to you. If you come, you will see. Yeah. If you come, you will see. Because at the end of the day, this is what the journey of faith is yeah, all about. Yeah. It's about coming into the house and seeing the child. Yeah. It's about seeing the glory of God. It's about having eyes open to see the revelation of God. It's about God revealing himself to you. You see, if you don't make the journey, if you don't come into the house, you don't get to see. Wow. And we're living in the midst of a generation of believers who neither come nor see. Wow. Who neither come into the house nor see the child. Wow. 
who are still living in the east because we've refused to make the journey. And when they came into the house, they saw the child. We did a whole series on the book of Revelation, and the book of Revelation is all about the invitation to come and see. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. 1 John chapter 3 says, Now we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Paul talked about it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And all we who with unveiled faces steadfastly beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Do you know what discipleship is? Discipleship is seeing Jesus and being transformed into his image. Think about the boldness of the disciples of Jesus after his resurrection and ascension into heaven. Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, and it says they marveled when they heard these men speaking because they did not have the proper rabbinic education, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. They had been transformed because they had been with Jesus. Let me tell you something. The recipe for transformation, the recipe for breaking the strongholds of the enemy in your life is being with Jesus. You've got to come into the house, and when you come into the house, you're going to see the child. God wants to open your eyes to see the child, to see Jesus, to see the glory of God, to see the kingdom of God, to see the depths of God, to see the things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that minds have not conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit, the spirit who is searching out the deep things of God. Mm. God is inviting us on a journey. He wants to open our eyes to see. When they had come into the house, they saw the child and Mary, his mother. But after they saw, they didn't simply pack up and go home. There was a third step. And they fell down and worshipped him. When they came in the house, they saw the child and they fell down and worshipped him. Watch this this progression. They journeyed halfway across the world. They felt no glory during that journey. They felt no wind, no fire, no presence during that journey. But they made the journey by faith. Then they come into the house and all of a sudden they see the child. Their, Their awareness of the presence of God is opened up. They're awakened to the glory and presence of God. And there in that place, they fall down and they worship. Worship was a reflex. It was the natural response to the revelation of who God is. In John chapter 4, Jesus has this conversation with the woman at the well, and he says something to her that's very peculiar there. He says to her, you worship what you do not know. Mm. I believe that indictment applies Mm. to most of us believers today. You worship what you do not know. Worship is supposed to be the fruit of revelation, but you haven't had a revelation in God knows how long. You're worshiping out of ignorance. You're skipping the steps. There's, there's two steps that you skip. They came into the house, they saw the child, and then they fell down in worship. You just want to come right into the service and just worship. We just call it worship, and you haven't gone on any journey. You haven't cracked your Bible. You haven't spent five minutes in prayer. What if our worship in our gatherings was the fruit of a journey? What if every day this week you go on that journey, you seek God's face every day, you take intentional time to worship and pray and seek the face of God. I tell you that when, we, when you come to church next Sunday, there's going to be a coming into the house. There's going to be an opening of your eyes to see the child and there's going to be a new expression of worship that's a reflection, that's just a response, a natural response to the revelation of the glory 
of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When they came into the house, they saw the child and they fell down and they worshiped him. They fell down. Something opened up in their hearts and they said, we cannot help but worship him. At the revelation, listen, the revelation of Jesus, you cannot help but worship. Nobody has to teach you to worship. When you see Jesus, you worship. Mount of Olives, Matthew chapter 28. It says that he came to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. This was even before they had the theology of his lordship, before they even had the theology of, of, of who he was. They didn't even know what it meant. They just saw he's so glorious, we cannot help but worship him. When they saw the child, they fell down, and they worshipped him. Wow. And it still was not over. Wow. Because... On the inside of their heart, there was no blueprint for this. There was no sermon that anybody preached to them to tell them what to do here. Yeah. This was the natural reflex. It says, and when they had opened up their treasures. Now that word treasure is very important in the theology of Jesus and especially in the theology of Jesus in the book of Matthew. That word treasure appears again and again and again. And there's some notable passages in Matthew in which Jesus talks about treasure. But the whole theology of treasure in the book of Matthew starts right here. Yeah. Starts right here at the feet of Jesus that these wise men get up off of their knees and open up their treasures. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yep. Now, most of you, many of you can remember back to the Kingdom First series that we preached earlier this year in February and March, and I preached on this verse where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we noted that Jesus did not say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Huh. He did not say that in order to put your treasure somewhere, your heart has to be there first. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah. He's literally saying to his disciples in all three of these verses, put your treasure in heaven because if you put your treasure there, your heart will follow it. Yeah. Your heart always follows your treasure, not the other way around. How many times have I heard people, you know, people come to me over the years and say, Pastor, I'm stepping down from ministry. I've been, you know, I can't, I can't serve anymore. Why? Because my heart's not in it. And I realize because my heart's not in it, I can't do it anymore. It's not right. I got to get my heart in the right place and then I can serve. Wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to step down from ministry. Sometimes you do need to step out, but not for that reason. That's the wrong reason. Jesus, is, there's a lot of people who say, well, I can't get my offering because my heart's not in it, and so I'm not going to bring my offering to the Lord yet because my heart's not. No, 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 no. You don't wait for your heart. You put your treasure there and your heart follows. Yes, yes. Your heart, you, listen, the reason why your heart is stuck in the world is because your treasure is stuck in the world. You've got to move your treasure out, and that is the theology of treasure in the book of Matthew. Again, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. Isn't that interesting? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. First, it's hidden in the field. Then the man fi finds it. And when he finds it, he hides it again. It's too precious. It's too valuable. And, and, and over and enjoy over it yeah. and enjoy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and comes back and buys that field. The treasure was so important to him that he was willing to sell everything he had to come back and buy that field. And then the last one I'll bring to your attention is uh, what 
what is it, Matthew 19, 21, I believe it is, where Jesus is speaking to the, the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler asked him a dumb question. Never ask God this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments, right? And the guy says, yeah, I know the commandments, and I've kept all of them since my youth. First of all, he's lying, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? But Jesus says, okay, so you've you, you done it all? He was expecting Jesus to say, great, you're perfect. You've got eternal life. But Jesus says, no, one thing you still lack. If, if you want to be perfect, Jesus yeah. says, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven and come and follow me. Yeah. Jesus says, the problem is your value is in your works. And because your value is in your works, your value is also in your possessions. So in order for you to come into the kingdom, you've got to get rid of all of your possessions and learn how to treasure heavenly things above earthly things. You see, this is the theology of treasure in the book of Matthew. That, being, that living in the kingdom, that being a Christian, that being saved, that being a disciple of Jesus means that you value heavenly treasure above earthly treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sign that you value heavenly treasure above earthly treasure is that you reflexively, naturally, deeply desire to surrender your earthly treasure to the heavenly treasure to subordinate earthly treasure to heavenly treasure. And this is what the wise men do at the feet of Jesus. They open up their treasures, meaning they realize that the treasures that they brought with them have no value in the presence of the treasure. When they see him, when they get a revelation of who he is, they say, this is the treasure. And so they open up their treasures and they present gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you realize that gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the three most valuable things in the ancient world? They literally gave him the highest value that they had. You know, we did the whole Kingdom First series in February and March. And as I preached through that series for over six weeks, I sensed us as a house going through this whole journey. Yeah. And I just saw as the Spirit of the Lord was opening hearts, and as hearts were opening, I saw so many of us just opening up our treasures. So the treasures were opening. And we, so many of us got, gathered our gifts, our treasure, and we came to set it down at the feet of Jesus. And just before touchdown, where we laid it down at the feet of Jesus, the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, some of us were struck with such fear that we retracted our treasure and closed it up again. Why? The same reason many of us don't get on our knees and pray because we're afraid we're gonna pray and God's not, God's not going to answer. You were afraid you were going to give and God was not going to provide. Yeah. Not realizing that even the gift that you had to give was God's provision. Not realizing that his provision for us is far greater yeah. and far vaster than anything that we might provide for him. Not realizing that in our awareness, we give to God. But from heaven's perspective, what we give to God pales in comparison to what God gives to us. Yeah. But there was another group of people I saw in the house and you were not struck with fear. Mm. 
You said the pandemic is not going to change the commitment that I made to lay my treasure down at the feet of Jesus. And I saw so many people get blessed in crazy ways. There was one couple that made a two-year commitment and paid it off in six months because they were out of, out of that experience of the pandemic, in the midst of it, yeah. there was an overwhelming outpouring of blessing. Wow. And they paid it off in six months. My wife and I, we made the, the biggest commitment of our entire lives. We, the, the pledge that we made was greater than any pledge that we ever made to anything. And you better believe there was fear at the moment the pandemic struck. But we said we're not going to close up our treasures. Finishing strong. You want to talk about finishing strong? Some of you, the Spirit of God is putting his finger on your heart and saying, you're not finishing 2020 strong until you reopen your treasure and complete the journey that you started back in March. You have to come back to the feet of Jesus and open up your treasure again and lay it at his feet. Don't let 2020 end with your treasure still locked up. Get out of that survival mentality. Praise God, I'm still alive. You got to break free of the fear mm -hmm. that I'm going to give, but I'm not going to receive. That I'm going to serve, but I'm not going to I'm not going to be served. That I'm going to seek God, but I'm not going to find Him. That I'm going to knock, but the door is not going to open. We got to finish strong. But in order to finish strong, we've got to come into the house. We've got to see the child. We've got to fall down and worship him. We've got to open up our treasures. And we've got to present him with gifts. Today and next Sunday, we're receiving our end of the year offering. We do this every year. This is a special offering that we receive at the end of the year. It's simply our time to reclaim Christmas. Yeah. To take it away from Santa Claus. Every year at Christmas time, believers take their gift that they're supposed to lay at the feet of Jesus and they lay it at the feet of Santa Claus. Yeah. We've taken this thing that's about bringing our gifts to Jesus and we bring our gifts and we give them to one another. And it's not bad to give gifts to one another. These things you should have done without leaving the others undone. Yeah. But we do an end of the year offering every year because we want to reclaim Christmas for Jesus, yeah. that Jesus is the reason for the season, that it's about him, not about us. Let's finish strong. Yeah. Let's go through all of the steps. Let's come into the house. Let's see the child. Let's fall down and worship him. Let's open up our treasures and let's present him with gifts. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would speak to us mightily today by your word and spirit. I thank you for each and every one of these brothers and sisters of mine that we're gathered in this place called YouTube, Church Online, but we're still gathered. Yeah. And our ears are open. Yeah. And our hearts are open to you. Lord Jesus, today I pray for the revelation that everything that we thought was valuable is not valuable. Everything we thought was worthy is not worthy. That nothing is as lovely. That nothing is as worthy. That nothing is as wonderful as knowing you. I pray that you would give us that cry that Paul had when he said, whatever was to my prophet, I count as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Where he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. That my desire to know Christ, that my desire to live in the kingdom becomes infinitely greater 
than every other desire. And I pray that that revelation would hit our hearts today and that there would come an opening up of our hearts, that worship would be the fruit of it. And out of that would come the opening up of our treasures and that we would freely present our gifts to the feet of Jesus, not out of, not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, but simply as a reflex. Nothing is as lovely. Nothing is as worthy. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing you. Right now, I just want you to talk to Jesus. Right now, I just want you to open up your mouth and just tell him, Lord, nothing is as worthy. Right now, I just want you to surrender the treasuring of your heart to him right now. I just want you to talk to him right now. Let him, let him shake you free from that fear. Let him shake you free of that, of that unbelief that, that keeps you from making the journey. Let him break you free right now. Come on, just open up your mouths right now and just pray. Talk to Jesus. Worship him just for a moment. Jesus, Jesus. Nothing is as worthy. Nothing is as lovely. Nothing is as wonderful. All I want is to know you, Jesus. 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 We lift up our eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. We lift our eyes above earthly things. Holy Spirit, settle upon every heart and upon every soul and upon every mind. Come into every home. Make your presence clear. I prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Right now I just sense the Holy Spirit is coming on your heart. And he's breaking you free of that fear. And if you would embrace this, he's giving you the confidence to know that if you seek him, you will find him. That if you ask, you will receive. That if you knock, the door will be opened. That if you make the journey to Bethlehem, you will not find an empty manger. But you're going to come into the house and you're going to see the child. And you're going to fall down and worship him. God is calling us today to open up our treasures and to present him with gifts. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Amen. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us this day. We worship and adore your holy name, the name that is above every name. And we surrender our hearts to you today. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you're listening today, if you're here today, if you're in the, in the service today and you sense God moving on your heart and you want special prayer, you can just click request prayer. And a member of our team is going to jump into a chat with you and pray for you one-on-one. -on -one. You can also receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior there and make an intentional step in your journey of faith. And that intentional step for some of you is the beginning of that journey. Yeah. For others of you, it's the continuation of that journey. But we just want to strengthen and encourage you today that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love and that his pursuit of you is infinitely greater than your pursuit of him. Amen. 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 God is with you. Amen. Nothing is as lovely. Can you just sing that with me? Nothing is as worthy Nothing, Nothing is, is as, as wonderful as knowing you. Just for a moment. As knowing you. Just for a moment, just worship. As knowing you. Mm -hmm. 
I want is to know you, Jesus. All I want is to know you, Jesus. All I want is to know I belong to you. Show me all that is worthless, Jesus. All I thought was so valuable to Knowing you, knowing you. Oh, nothing, nothing is as worthy. Nothing is as valuable. Come on and worship him. Jesus. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing you. Nothing is as lovely. Nothing is as worthy. Nothing is as wonderful. There's no that have been so weary in 2020, God. God, they started the journey towards you so strong this year, God. But in the midst of pandemic and in the midst of the, the desert, Lord, so many, God, of your sons and daughters whom you love so much have become so weary, Lord, have stopped, Lord, feeling like it's hopeless and helpless to open the Bible, to pray, God, to seek your face, Lord. Father, we pray for those, your sons and daughters that have been weary and that have stopped the journey. Today, Lord, will you pour your spirit upon those weary sons, those weary daughters, Lord. And God, will you infuse your spirit, your hope, your life, your breath, your strength, Lord. It is not too late to pick up again, to get up again, and to, to pursue that journey again towards you. It is not too late to finish strong. It is not too late. Yeah, that's what I hear the Lord saying to some of you. You feel like, yeah, I, I clap for those that have been strong, that you're going to strong, you're going to uh, finish strong, but I can't. But no, God is speaking to you right now. Son, daughter, it is not too late to continue the journey. Yes, God. To get up where you've been. Shake off that hopelessness, that weariness, and to journey towards Jesus and God is promising 
that he will be with you. And not only will you survive 2020, but you are able to finish 2020 strong. Mm. So Father, right now, Lord, remove every lie of the enemy from the minds and the hearts of your people. Father, we will finish strong. We will continue the journey. We will pursue you, Jesus. Because nothing, nothing, there's nothing compared to you, to knowing you, to seeing you, to worshiping you, to give, to be given that opportunity to open up our treasure. Nothing, God, nothing. We worship you. We thank you for this timely word to strengthen us to finish strong. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. amen. God is good. Mm. And he's here. Yes. And he loves you. Yes. Amen. Amen.